A big thank you to the Talk Python team who sponsor this episode of the podcast. If you want to get better at Python, now is an excellent time to take an online course. Whether you are just learning Python to delve into great topics like artificial intelligence, or you need to go deep into things like APIs and async, my friends at Talk Python Training have a top-notch course for you. Visit talkpython.fm/mind to find your next level and get a 10% discount. Also, a big thank you to all my patrons who support the Engineered Mind podcast. Hi and welcome to the Engineered Mind podcast, a podcast about engineering, artificial intelligence, neuroscience and other interesting topics of life to educate, inspire and engineer people's minds all around the world. I'm your host Yusuf and for this episode of the podcast I welcome Beryl Silmacek. Beryl is a Dutch AI researcher who has received her PhD degree in electrical and electronics engineering in 2009 in Istanbul. She has later worked with the German Aerospace Center and pursued habilitation degree with the University of Osnabrück. Beryl has worked as a guest lecturer at University of Augsburg and several other German universities until 2011. Between 2011 to 2020, she worked at Delft University of Technology and University of Twente respectively. She is an assistant professor at John Copping AI Lab where she is focusing on AI applications for healthcare and earthcare. And now ladies and gentlemen, here is my discussion with Beryl Silmacek. Uh, Beryl, it's a pleasure to have you on my podcast. Let the audience know a little bit about yourself and what are you doing because you're doing so much as far as I could see. Thank you. Very nice to meet you. Thank you very much for reaching out. I'm so happy that we organized this and I hope it's an interesting talk to everyone. And uh, well, I'm from the Netherlands, currently in Sweden. Mm -hmm. I'm working at Jönköping University as an assistant professor at AI Lab. So my interest in artificial intelligence and my background is heavily on computer vision. I like developing algorithms in a way that cameras, uh, vision systems can see and understand images just like human does, hopefully. And uh, I'm very interested to develop intelligent systems which can judge images, uh, which can make decisions or even make predictions about future. Mm -hmm. And my main um, passion in my life is to put this in, uh, knowledge to uh, two areas. One is medical, to help humanity with uh, health crisis, hopefully, and um, to do uh, predictions or early notification of uh, some uh, disease, if possible, using AI for that. And I'm also very interested to put my uh, knowledge into earth care, I say, uh, which means that understanding how our earth is behaving, uh, how our crops are doing, how our forests, water resources are doing. I think these are all combined. I mean, our personal health, bodily health, I don't find it separate than health of the planet. If one is sick, the other one will be sick as well. I don't find planet health and our bodily health separate than each other. Mm -hmm. So that's my main interest, and especially in this um, a pandemic time and climate changes on the other hand, I think we've got a lot to deal with. And the, as scientists, 
we should help to people uh, with the knowledge, with skills that we have developed. And of course, we cannot do this alone. One person, one researcher cannot do anything alone. So we need to communicate like you reached to me and you reach to other people, you try to introduce people, just like you do. We have to contact to each other and know our skills, how we can support each other. And this can be done all together. Yeah. That's very interesting. Thanks a lot for this awesome introduction. So you're not only doing computer vision, but you do AI in general, but also augmented reality as far as I can uh, could mm -hmm. see on your homepage. Could you maybe yeah. explain in a little bit more detail how you use it AI? It started as a fun interest because at first uh, I came across the Pokemon app. I didn't play myself actually, <laughs> Pokemon app, but uh, when I was walking outside, I've seen people using it like crazily. Everybody is uh, jumping out of the car and uh, just chasing something which I cannot see. And how these people are so passionate to discover something which I cannot see and they see it, they become excited to search for it, to catch it. So that caught my interest, um, not the Pokemon, not the app, but why these people are so attracted on seeing something which I cannot see. And so uh, I started to think about the human psychology part of it. Apparently the visuals are so important for people. And also if you look at scientific papers or books, if they are represented visually with nice images well, people can follow it, people cite it so often. And um, it's not about uh, always the scientific contribution, but the representation. Mm -hmm. How do you explain it, representing things? And visual thing is the communication way. How do you communicate your results to user? And um, we human beings are so visual. Uh, if a person is not deaf, Uh, uh, sorry, sorry. If the person is not blind, uh, if the person can see, uh, the brain uh, is making visual processes in 30% of the cells uh, in a moment. 30%. So you are doing all the bodily activities, you are uh, doing all the other things, but 30%, almost half of the brain is doing visual processing. Mm -hmm. So this is also explaining for intelligent system like human or any intelligent system that we want to develop, how important it is to represent things visually and communicate visually. And um, uh, I really became interested that if we improve our visuals and we make them interesting, like you see something which is not visible with naked eye, that's increased curiosity suddenly also. And um, how can I communicate my results like this with the user? So my areas are earth care and healthcare. Can I also do Pokemon-like interest in this field? Uh, I first applied augmented reality in agriculture. So I really wanted farmers to look at their crops Mm -hmm. and seeing things, uh, just like catching Pokemons, they can see in the field, they can walk in the field, enjoy the area, and also work maybe becomes just like fun. 
uh, it's not a work, but catching Pokemons in the farmland, uh, it could be fun. They can look at crops with the app to see how healthy they are or if they need something. Uh, it also increases the opportunities of precision farming to save crops. So first I applied my knowledge to that area. I developed my knowledge with self-education. This augmented reality field was not my main education. But these days everything is on YouTube. I mean, you can develop any skill uh, by watching videos and studying yourself at home, especially in self-quarantine. I mean, it's a great opportunity to learn such things if people are interested. Mm. Yeah, later I also applied my augmented reality interest into medical area uh, because I thought if doctors can see uh, things which they cannot see with next eye, maybe they can do decisions faster or it can also provide opportunities for robotic uh, applications in medical area for biopsy. If we uh, project on human body, what we cannot see, but um, for instance, the uh, blood vessel system or the skeleton, or if there are tumors in the body, where those tumors are, if we can project things on body, then the doctor can judge, operate, or a robotic system can make a biopsy or uh, any other operation uh, more consciously if things are visible. Mm -hmm. So that, that was a really uh, interesting field for me to develop more augmented reality uh, knowledge for myself. That's interesting. Um, I just wanted for the visual learners who watch the video. So if I have a pen here, for instance, and I hold it into the camera. So we know if I held a pen like this, right? It's it's a pen. It's a blue pen. If I turn it like this, it's still a pen for us, right? For us humans, because our brain understands it. But for a computer vision system, it's completely something different because the numbers change. How, exactly. how can an expert tackle this problem? And uh, what are the research development subjects going to, to understand this a bit better? So nice question. Uh, that's a lot of discussion. What you say, the robustness of the system to representation, it's a big problem in deep learning area. And if you, uh, for instance, in deep learning area, things are highly dependent on the training set. If you generated a training set where all images of pen are vertical mm -hmm. and it sees a pen, uh, which is horizontal or slightly shifted, uh, it will not recognize it probably. It learns what it sees. So this is the weakness of deep learning systems. They cannot generalize so well. They cannot know how to gen generalize. And uh, that's also why I'm still insistent to uh, stick on old algorithms that we used in computer vision in the past when there were no deep learning AI uh, passion uh, systems developed, um, it was more uh, like uh, possible to make robust algorithms uh, with um, making feature engineering step by step. First, I used to think uh, how I recognize a pen. So I'm thinking how uh, my brain is recognizing a pen. There are vertical features, uh, there, there's blue color indication, and I list all these features. Then I 
write down algorithms which can do this feature extraction. Then it checks if the combination of all these extracted features are still making a pen representation mm -hmm. altogether. And if this is written uh, by computer system, vision system uh, with local features, we say with feature engineering, this could be more robust to such representation changes. But then the problem comes if you show another type of pen, it will not extract the same features and it will not recognize it anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, deep learning system can offer solution there because you, you can show so many examples uh, to teach a huge library. So they've got trade-offs, the old approach and the new approach. Which one is good? None but they are good together. I believe the hybrid combination of these two fields uh, will help us uh, um, make more intelligent systems. And uh, it, uh, in the same time, I'm also thinking when we are trying to model uh, an AI system, we are always looking at uh, how we can uh, make a system which thinks like human brain. We always think that when we look at a human, the intelligent part is the brain. And if I model brain, then I will have AI. But I don't believe so because um, as human, we've got intelligent, intelligence in our all cells, mm -hmm. not only in the brain. Brain is only one organ. I think we have to also understand the intelligence of human ourselves more uh, to try to make such um, AGI, mm, that's more robust yeah. AI systems. Yeah, interesting point. Um, also, before we jump to explainability, because that's also part of computer vision, you also mentioned hybrid. Hybrid is a good point because if you think about radiologists, for instance, and they use AI, I, I is used basically artificial intelligence systems are used to detect for instance um, diseases in an x-ray picture they are act as good as the doctor or even better how do you see the future will these people still have so to speak um, a job if we can say it like that or do you think that humans plus artificial intelligence like Gary Kasparov said it, the, the chess master that humans plus artificial intelligence is like unbeatable or do you think that artificial intelligence when it comes to AGI or the singularity maybe in the future that humans are lost? No, the humans will not lost jobs but their job definitions will change. Mm -hmm. So uh, it doesn't mean that we develop very intelligent systems and all humans are out of job. That will not be the case but their job definitions will change and they will like it more I'm sure. Because uh, if you go to hospital, for instance, uh, a doctor or a technician is whole day labeling some tumors. So uh, the tumor can be, uh, the tumor ca location can be uh, used in uh, targeting it uh, in the radiotherapy, for instance. And they need to label tumor all day by hand, manually. This is quite tiresome job. And assume that you've got paint-like program 
and all day, like eight or 10 hours a day, your only task you do is to label the boundary. And you cannot imagine at some point, maybe after six hours, people become tired. Human brain becomes tired and they start labeling things like three years old wouldn't label like this. I'm not saying this, this to blame those people, but even if anybody, if you put me to do the same task, uh, six hours later, I will not be able to do the same task with the same precision. Mm -hmm. But we can rely on the system. Uh, the precision will not change after hours. You can run 60 hours AI and the precision will not change. And when the AI is doing this stuff, what can doctors do? Doctors can engage with patients. Doctors can search for new diseases. Doctors can search for uh, what is upcoming. If there's a second wave of corona is coming, if there is a new diseases increasing, if doctors are occupied with a paint program all day, they cannot do literature search. Mm. They cannot contact to their colleagues. Uh, for instance, search what, what other colleagues in this field are doing in other countries. Maybe they, they developed a new technology. How can I bring it to my patients, to my country? So such things should be done with human brain, human intelligence and human effort. The creativity part. We need the creativity part and emotional intelligence, intelligence part to communicate with patients from humans. This cannot be done by robots. But what AI can do, AI can label things all night long. It will not get tired and make less accuracy. Mm -hmm. They will not get out of business because mm -hmm. of it. None of us will. Yeah, that's beautifully explained, Barrier. Um, also, when I think about it, do you think that at some point that AI will get feelings and that empathy will be possible for an AI system so that they can take care, for instance, of elderly people. They're not humans, but they have like this kind of empathy. Do you think it's possible to implement such kind of things in the future? There are very different opinions on that. If you ask my opinion that goes to my previous discussion, we try to model AI by modeling human brain, yeah. but human brain is not the intelligence alone. For instance, gut, in human body mm -hmm. is assumed as second brain and sometimes even more powerful in decision making yeah. than brain itself because the gut sends signals with vagus nerve to brain to give decision we've got gut feeling we say emotional intelligence or just some instincts Mm -hmm. uh, you suddenly have a feeling of going out and going somewhere and so you see something. Uh, you don't know how this intelligence came to you, how this idea came to you. You, you don't know. You say it, it was a gut feeling. Mm -hmm. It was your emotional intelligence. But what gut is doing? It's, we say, the second brain. And if we don't understand intelligence of gut, we cannot model it. Uh, we cannot make human-like intelligence system. And this is not only gut. All hum human uh, cells are intelligent together. 
I think we don't know about ourselves as humans so much uh, to replicate an AI which can be like human. And there are also the perspectives. Some people say there's spiritual part or we've got other dimensions that we get uh, this um, knowledge. Uh, that's, I don't know. We cannot, um, as scientists, we cannot prove that, I guess. Mm-hmm. See. Coming to the, uh, the part of explainability, like if you have a feeling, you can sometimes explain it. But when you have a computer vision system, for instance, and you have this, there's a famous paper, I'm sure you know it, where they took pictures from wolves and dogs and they tried to find a difference. However, they, they found out that the snow in the background of the wolves caused the system to identify the wolves as wolves and not the, the wolf itself. So um, how important is explainability and uh, where do you see explainability is going in the future? And how important is it, of course? Explainability is so important to explain ourselves to ourselves as well. We try to discover, we, I, I say that we don't know uh, about ourselves. Maybe if we explain AI and we try to learn back about ourselves, from AI. How? Uh, for instance, I'm teaching something to AI. I say, these are dogs, these are wolves. Mm-hmm. Actually, I also don't know myself how I learned this discrimination. How can I just have a one-shot look and say, this is a dog and this is a wolf? Mm-hmm. What features? my brain is uh, looking at and making this judgment. I cannot explain that. But if I mathematically explain that in AI system, then I can learn how I was doing myself this decision. And then this is very important in medical area. If I do the same, if doctors, experts are teaching to an AI, These are cancer cells, which are dangerous. These are cancer cells, which, which are not dangerous type. And teaching the, these two different cancer types, dangerous and not dangerous, uh, to AI. That explainability explains it maybe to new students in the field. What features to look at, to judge, immediately if it's a dangerous type or not mm-hmm. because a human cannot explain at some point doctor says oh i've seen so many examples therefore i develop intuition so i can just have one look and i can say if it's uh, dangerous or not mm-hmm. and he cannot explain how he's making this decision but if ai can be explained it can maybe explain to new doctor students better what to look at what features to look at to make the decision Mm -hmm. yeah so for the audience listening so the main goal is basically to go from a black box model more to a white box model how do you see that the the trade-off between uh, there's this trade-off always between complexity and uh, accuracy of course or explainability component how do you see that because if a system is complex it's quite hard to get an accurate result in terms of explainability can you maybe explain uh, what What methods there are out there to make this a bit? Yeah, extremely good question. That's really a trade-off. If you make some complex systems, maybe it's classifying, making decision 
quite accurately, but the explaining how this decision is made is quite challenging. That mm. it really depends on the field. Uh, so if the field is needing more accurate results and doesn't care how the decision is made, then we should go for the complex system. But if the field is looking for results which could be explained, maybe for finances prediction, uh, people want to know explanation how these predictions in finances uh, are done. Uh, so they don't want to be so accurate, but they need explanation about uh, the results. Mm. So they can uh, decide depending on the field, but in medical area, maybe sometimes uh, they want extremely accurate results. And uh, it's okay if it cannot be explained very well, but the results uh, accuracy is so important for uh, making finding the right treatment for the patients mm -hmm. so uh, they can choose the trade-off by looking at the field the emergency is it emergency is the accuracy or the emergency is the explainability part mm -hmm. but when i think back to the computer vision systems you're working on what interests me when you follow tesla of course there are, are these kind of attacks these generative adversarial attacks where you can basically just put a sticker on a stop sign. And that's what we basically discussed a few moments ago. And it will not detect the stop sign anymore. What do you think as a computer vision expert about these kind of things? How can we I tackle this better? Uh, yeah, and that's a very good question. There was a uh, story about a car uh, speeded up so fast in the road, uh, which which was 30 kilometers per hour, like something, but there was a sticker on the the sign yeah, that, that's exactly. a real story and uh, it's recognized it's like 80 kilometers per hour like something that could end up with an accident in a residential area if there are children playing around for instance mm. it's quite dangerous situation and if ai is doing the judgment it's quite vulnerable to sticker like adversarial text indeed but um, uh, old metals computer metals are quite robust to such attacks because you engineer what to look at by manual uh, interpolate uh, manually you explain what local features to look at you explain to system uh, how numbers should look like, what kind of features to look at. And um, it, it will be uh, looking at the spatial relationship between those local features and you tailor those features. You never uh, tailor a feature which looks like a banana on a sticker. You tailor the features which represent the uh, appearance of pixels on, on a uh, speed uh, number. Uh, that, that's why I'm, I believe that we shouldn't ignore the old computer vision algorithms to, uh, uh, to go to AI. We should combine and choose hybrid approach to deal with such adversarial attacks or uh, it could be also just accidentally something uh, a, a rubbish came uh, in front of the label mm -hmm. yeah it's quite interesting actually so uh, if someone hacks these kind of neural networks they have to be quite smart actually to reverse engineer them 
it's a bit tricky, but it's possible as we have seen with the with the car. So obviously you're, you're an expert, as I mentioned several times. How did you get started? If someone is listening now and they are inspired by your path and what you're doing of earth care and health care, what would you recommend for them if you if they want to go the same path? What are the challenges you have faced? And if you look back, what tips would you give yourself as well to uh, to get started in AI and CV? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, first of all, it's very important to learn uh, one or two programming languages. It would be nice to have two. Mm -hmm. uh, very nice. So you have to be able to uh, make a quick draft of what you're thinking as a code and quickly test things. It's very important that you don't have so many challenges to test an idea. You should test very simply, very quickly. So one or two programming languages is very good. And if one of those programming languages that you become uh, advanced uh, should also enable you to develop a product like a production. Uh, so if the programming languages that you use are not enabling you to make a, a web app or any uh, final product, it's also uh, not very easy to share your results with other people to uh, submit their own images and get results. It's of course very important to always look at the state of the art, uh, read a lot, and still today I'm a student every day looking at the state of the art, what other people are doing. And uh, sometimes I still find it painful because I cannot do all the ideas myself. I've got only 24 hours in a day. And I see that ah, I thought about that before, but other people are already doing a lot and published a lot of things in this field. Sometimes it's painful to read the literature, but we should somehow get rid of this uh, ego stuff and think that if that person is publishing it. It's also very nice because it's contributing to all of us together. So selflessly, we should think of uh, what's being developed and learn from it. Be open to learn as much as we can. And personally, I find it very interesting to um, think about how human brain makes decisions. So a little bit uh, thinking about the psychology part. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I can try to uh, list my own process and make a workflow for computer vision system. That's my own interest. And yeah, at the end of the day, the most satisfying thing is to share things and trying to be helpful to people if we can. Uh, it's, um, it's the most satisfying thing at the end if we can do that. Mm -hmm. That's that's cool. Uh, also, if anybody listening now, and I will put the link down in the description for your website, uh, Beryl is also um, sending out newsletters from time to time, which are quite interesting for free stuff and courses and videos, which is quite cool. I really Thank like that. And I will put that down in the description. What resources have you used or do you still personally use to educate yourself in this fast-moving field of AI? Of course, Twitter, I would say. Twitter is quite good. Well, uh, I think we are so lucky at the moment. Um, you will find it funny, maybe, but when I was studying university, we didn't have internet connection at home. It was uh, too weird to have internet connection at home. Nobody had. 
And uh, we used to go to internet cafe to check our emails once in a week, like something, but it was not common to have internet at home. Um, at one hand, it's good because we were having time with books. Uh, we didn't have Facebook, Twitter, like social media to uh, spend a lot of time. Maybe it was good. But on the other hand, it's quite advantageous at the moment. Everything is open. And um, I'm personally doing Coursera courses all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm buying uh, Udemy, Udemy courses all the time, uh, if they're catching my eye. And um, I'm following some YouTube channels, uh, also uh, just like things that people know, TensorFlow channel all the time, they publish a new uh, topic for instance, and I'm registering to free webinars uh, when they are teaching something. And so uh, try to be a student and be teachable. Uh, it's good to be students all the time and to learn. But on the other, on the other hand, we also need to uh, make a trade-off of choosing uh, how much should I be open to learning new fields or should I focus my vision to something specific? So that's also something that people need to discover, maybe look around uh, and select some uh, focused area that, that's mostly interesting for you to put your effort. Otherwise, put in small, small efforts to so many fields and all the time learning some new things from different fields also doesn't help you to go somewhere. It's better to uh, make a vision what you really want to develop at the end and uh, what, where you want to come at the end. It's not about getting the certificates of the, those programs. It's about who we become at the end of completing this course, mm -hmm. what skills I can develop so I can make something which helps you or to other people. That's great, great advice. Some people might say uh, broaden your knowledge, but some people also say like specify yourself. But of course, pick something from every field, like as you said, psychology and maybe medicine. Uh, like Andrew, for instance, is also doing a new course now. You might have seen it, uh, AI for medicine which will probably take, yeah, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I will look at it. But um, all the time we need to define um, there's something, uh, a field, which could help to my field. Yeah. Should I put invest my time to learn it myself? Or should I collaborate with something who is expert in this field and we can work together? Mm. Uh, so there, there's a trade-off. Um, it's we can we cannot do everything ourselves that comes to beginning of my <laughs> conversation uh, we cannot do everything ourselves we are human beings with limited time we all have 24 hours in a day so if i want to develop an application a service uh, a result to someone and there are things to learn i can do everything in ai but i still don't know how to judge a medical or uh, image uh, like a doctor so maybe i have to collaborate with a doctor to ask my questions and get response quickly instead of learning all about mri data or something like that it, the collaborations speed uh, up such developments mm -hmm. this is great yeah so um as i mentioned uh, i will put every link 
to Bell's homepage and make sure to subscribe to her newsletter. It's really interesting what she what she's giving us as uh, in form of information in the newsletter. And where can people find you apart from Twitter or LinkedIn, maybe? Uh, I think Twitter is the best place. Uh, I'm quite frequently looking at Twitter. It's the best place to uh, check. Of course, I'm on LinkedIn as well. But uh, yeah, Twitter, I think the most active area that I'm checking frequently. Okay, that's good. I will put the link to, tw to your Twitter account as well in, in the description. Thank you. So thank you so much, Beryl, for your time. It was a pleasure hearing from, from a CV Very expert. Nice thank you, thank you. And Very I'm looking nice forward... Questions. Yeah, thank you. I'm looking forward to a second part, hopefully in the future, and you're always welcome to, to participate in the podcast again. Ah, oh, that would be amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day, and I'll talk to you again. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.